This podcast uses adult language. Listener discretion is advised. This is Kevin. And this is Elizabeth. And this is the Lesson 83 podcast. Uh, welcome back, Elizabeth. Thanks, Kevin. So we have, we're going to start off tonight with a recording from a listener who wanted to uh, get our opinion on something. So we're going to roll that first. Hello, Elizabeth and Kevin. I am a huge fan of your podcast and actually have a question for you that I'm curious if you do an episode around. So I'm relatively new to Polly, and one of the first connections I made was with a guy. Um, we actually matched on a dating site, and I didn't realize this, but he was posting um, on behalf of a couple, him and his partner. His first photo was just him, and I loved what he wrote in his profile, so we matched. And then I realized after the fact um, that they were that they were looking kind of on behalf of the two of them. Um, but the guy was really interested in meeting. Um, the three of us all met up twice, and he and I just had the most amazing chemistry. And so after the second time that we all three met up, um, his partner said it was fine if he and I went on a solo date. And a little background, he's been poly before, um, but him and his partner have been monogamous for almost, I think, like nine months and are pretty serious, like talking about kids. They now live together. I think they're on, on track to be married as well. Um, I'm heterosexual. I'm only interested in men um, and was extremely interested in this guy. Um, one of the things that we bumped up against is as a relationship norm, they both really like to share everything. Um, at first, I thought it was kind of about like surveillance. That's what it felt like to me. But I think it's more just like how they connect. Um, they really just share everything. And I tend to be much more private in intimacy. Um, like it feels like a really special thing that I share with another person. Um, and it feels like really invasive and uncomfortable for everything to be shared with a non-participant in the romantic connection. Um, so there were a couple times where he asked if he could share sexting of ours, which made me super uncomfortable. And he actually talked about an act of physical intimacy we shared with his partner without first asking for my consent. So I guess my question is, um, you know, if, if I didn't feel this amazing connection, I would just move on. <clears throat> but I'm curious, is there a way to find a middle ground around this? You know, this tension between privacy and intimacy and disclosure, my sense is maybe um, we're just not a match in this area, um, if sharing is that important to them, but was really curious to hear your thoughts on kind of being flexible um, when, when partners have kind of a different philosophy around this. Thanks so much. Appreciate your thoughts. First, I would want to say to make sure that you touch base with your partner. If they are going to be representing a couple in the future on dating apps, that should be overtly clear. It does sound like they're doing the right thing in that they are allowing for dating, it seems, outside of just dating the couple as a package deal, which is great. And if you haven't already, you might want to check out our episode on unicorn hunting. I believe it's episode two. That will give you a much better sense of what similar circumstances might be like. But let's talk more about the privacy and disclosure. 
All right. Uh, so, Elizabeth, it seems like you and I kind of handle these sorts of situations differently. I feel that relationships work best with trust, of course. Um, and so if she's used to having a certain degree of privacy, she should feel comfortable expressing that to her partner. If he isn't comfortable with her having that level of privacy, then maybe they should recalibrate where they are regarding like what kind of information is shared. But I'm also not shaming people who share a lot of information with their partners, especially their spouses. You know, a lot of people have really open communicative dynamics like that. I basically feel like there's nothing wrong with wanting to have things kind of private in your personal relationships and that she should at least feel comfortable asking her partner for that. And where it goes from there is kind of dependent on a lot of factors. But I guess I lean more in the privacy direction of things, maybe. I really agree with that take. And I feel like that's really good advice. But I I think you and I found it interesting in discussing this topic before we came on air of how you and I generally handle similar circumstances fairly differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for example, I try to warn my partners early in the relationship that information shared with me, unless they explicitly state so, might be shared with my other partners, mostly because I just enjoy sharing information with my partners and geeking out about new people I'm dating or talking about what I did with my day with my partner. Sure, but I feel like my relationships are usually more private by default, like they're just between Mm -hmm. us. And so even though I do tend to like date within my friend circles and within my communities, so of course we have a lot of mutual friends usually, I still feel like I would rather have the default be like, Let's not share because they don't necessarily know what is super private to me and what isn't unless I say like, you know, you can totally tell this to your wife or whatever. But like, otherwise, I feel like it's not really their business. And so I think I just lean a little more like and I'm really open, as you know, about a lot of things like I'm very, Mm -hmm. very open too open for some people. <laughs> and for my private relationships, I really like to keep those kind of like just between us unless we explicitly decide to do something else, you know? It is interesting because for a lot of my relationships, I don't talk very much about my sex life with my other partners. And so that isn't really something that ever really comes up. But outside of the sexual sides of my relationships, I do feel like I talk a lot about the inner workings of my relationships with others and specifically with my <laughs> other partners. Mostly I have, I also have a partner who is very compersive mm-hmm. who really yeah. enjoys compersion. If you aren't familiar with it is finding joy in other people's joy. And usually polyamorous people will use that to mean joy in your other partner's joy regarding other relationships. Right. Which is a nice thing to feel, but not always present. But even when there is compersion, like I actually am more open about my sex life than about my romantic life. So you and I are yin and yang. Yeah, we're very opposite in a lot of ways, which I think makes us good (laughs) (laughs) co-hosts. Yeah, I feel like I'm much more likely to talk to strangers about my sex life than I am to talk to my friends about my romantic relationship because I it's just private for me. Like I actually I don't know, like but maybe that'll change and maybe it has changed. Like I'm sure there have been times that I I haven't been as I don't know, secretive is the wrong word, but (laughs) there's nothing to be secretive about. It's not like, you know, anyone's even cheating. It's just (laughs) it's just like those are really intimate moments for me, you know, like. And I think secret has a different connotation. It does, like a negative one. Yeah, yeah, like hiding. And it seems more like you kind of err on the side of privacy. 
and yeah. having privacy in those regards. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I feel like emotional vulnerability is the deeper vulnerability in a way. Mm. And like, I feel pretty comfortable talking to strangers about sex, but I don't want to talk about my romantic relationships as much. So I don't know. I Maybe the whole point of this should be that like, it's a good thing to talk about at the beginning of a relationship, you know, like how like you tend to kind of be upfront about it, you know, and maybe maybe I should be more clear in the beginning of my relationships and be like, hey, I, I, I consider most of the things that you say to me to be in confidence. You know, I want them to feel like they can speak freely with me and not worry that it's going to get around to anyone like or to our mutual friends or anything like that. And I'm not saying that, you know, more open, open people such as yourself are like lacking in any kind of discretion. Of course, that's not the case. You're a very discretionary person. <laughs> Discreet. There we go. You know, it is interesting because I run a group where sometimes it's important to be able to talk about my sexual history or maybe somebody is asking me and I feel comfortable sharing information about my sexual history with other people. I err on the side of keeping it very vague as the time frame of right. when I'm talking about yeah. and the people involved so that it isn't really relevant who else was involved. It's more relevant about my experiences and my experience part of it sure that i can share and provide insight for other people without having to worry about sharing information about somebody else right exactly i think that yeah especially in polyamory we do sometimes bump up against like am i sharing about my life or mine and my partner's life you know because it is easy to you can you could tell the whole dirty story or you could just keep it to like one side and just give the important details but I think it is one of those good things to like kind of negotiate a little bit maybe in your dynamics. I'm all, all about explicit negotiation. So maybe just a good idea to be like, hey, you know, do you talk to your friends about such and such? <laughs> do you mm -hmm. do you, you know, do you show them these pictures? Like some people would think nothing of it. But I always try to check like, you know, just to be sure. I'd, I would rather, yeah, err on the side of privacy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously we're a polyamorous and ethical non-monogamy focused podcast right and we're probably going to advise people hey maybe you should have an explicit conversation about yeah. this <laughs> do you have any tips for people for what they might want to have that conversation be like or anything that uh, they might not consider otherwise because i learned about this through the normal method of relationships learning about something you screw up mm, and yeah. you tell something somebody or you tell something to somebody that another person didn't want shared Mm -hmm. Well, maybe asking like what kinds of things they consider to be more private, because mm -hmm. like for you, you know, like for both of us, we have pretty different ideas about what we're more private about and what we're more open about. And that's OK. Everybody's different. But like not everybody's the same in that regard. So maybe checking with like a sex worker, maybe they don't care about, you know, maybe they don't mind having their sexy pictures shared or online or wherever, like, you know, maybe they don't care who sees them. Or maybe that's like what they consider VIP access, like boyfriend only or whatever, you know, like, or boyfriend yeah. and paying clients <laughs> and girlfriend or whatever, you know, so different levels of privacy. So I would probably say like, working with vague terms, try to be more clear with, with your partners about like, you know, when we talk about mental health, do you want me to keep those things private? When we talk about sex, do you want me to keep those things private? What about our power exchange relationship? Do you want me to keep those things private? To me, all those things are worth checking in with regarding like 
privacy. Well, I think that was all great advice and information. Main takeaways, probably make sure you have an overt conversation, think through everything and try to be cognizant of what's important to you to be kept private so that you can advocate for that for yourself Mm -hmm. and uh, be compassionate if somebody makes an honest mistake, but try to hold firm to your boundaries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Please send in your request to us, either record an audio message or audio memo on your phone or send it to us in writing so that we can respond to these because this is really fun and uh, helpful. Yeah. I know for both you and I, we've been doing this for so long that it can be hard to remember what's difficult for people that are new to polyamory or issues that are going on in your life. So if you share that with us, helps key us off to know what might be helpful to you. Definitely. After doing this, both of us for a decade plus, like it's, you know, we're like, it's, we, you encounter different issues, I think, this far in than you do in your first few months of polyamory. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we'll be right back with that second segment. Ooh. And up next, we have the third and final segment of Relationship Bill of Rights. We're back. Um, thanks, everybody, for joining us for another episode. We're continuing our third part of this series where we're talking about the Relationship Bill of Rights as discussed by uh, more than two available on their website. Last time, I'll have to warn you guys, the author of more than two has some issues in their past that has come to light. Me and others would still find that this Relationship Bill of Rights is a really great version of a Relationship Bill of Rights, and so we felt like it was still worthy of discussing. So we're back to discuss the last part, which is the Relationship Bill of Rights that is about what you have a right to in a poly network. So we talked before that poly networks are what some people call pods, some people call constellations, polycules, there are a lot of different names for it. It's the people that you date and who date the people you like and care about. I'll take the first one. Go for it. Cool, because I have thoughts. (laughs) All right. In a poly network, you have the right to choose the level of involvement and intimacy you want with your partner's other partners. This makes me think of a couple things. Uh, One. Hold on. Let me put out the soapbox for you. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Oh, all right. Stepping up. I'm only five foot two, so I need it. (laughs) Great. I I think this is an important one because there are definitely dynamics in which people feel like to date, you know, let's say I date someone new and they're like, oh, well, to date me, you really need to be good friends with my spouse as well. And I may not want to be or may not have time or energy or maybe we're not compatible as friends. You know, like I I think it's important to remember that you're allowed to restrict access to yourself. You don't have to give access to yourself to everybody that wants it. And that includes family. That includes friends. That includes partners. Yep. Especially as an introvert and someone who we talk a little bit about spoon theory sometimes and just being like kind of a metaphor for energy, mental energy, physical energy. You know, not everybody has unlimited. Nobody has unlimited energy, right? We all have a limit somewhere. So it's important for me to guard that pretty fiercely. And I feel like it can be kind of manipulative for someone to say, you know, to date me, you have to be best friends with my wife or whatever, like because... You can't dictate who I'm friends with. And, you know, I I don't want to be friends with everybody necessarily. So, you know, I've had metamors that I have never met. I've had metamors that I was 
involved with in some way, whether it was, you know, a physical relationship or a just a close friendship or something, or maybe we lived together, you know. Every dynamic is, of course, unique, and I think that the right to choose the level of involvement and intimacy you want with your partner's partners is extremely important. Do you have thoughts to add to that? Yeah, I the way I do things, I am someone who I am very strong-willed, and I have this unfortunate tendency that if my partner tells me that I shouldn't date someone or it'd be a bad idea for me to date somebody, it makes me want to do it more. Doesn't mean I do, but it makes me want to do it more because it's like, no, I get like protective of that uh, feeling I have about that person. Yeah. I want to be able to talk to the people that I date. I want to be able to talk to their partners Mm -hmm. and I want my partners to feel comfortable talking to my other partners. Yeah. And that means I try to do all the light work I can to make that as, you know, as easy and as available as possible. I like that. And you know, I, so for me, it's a little bit of like a boundary where it kind of affects how I feel about somebody if they have a partner and I am not allowed to or can't have any sort of involvement with them. Mm-hmm. And so that plays into this, that like if I really feel like I need to have that freedom to be able to reach out to somebody directly and to have a casual relationship with them, yeah. that I do. That being said, one of my longest standing partners has a long standing partner. He and I just don't really get along. We butted heads early on in her and his relationship. And, you know, I, I feel like if I really need to reach out to him, I could. I've not ever really felt the need to. Uh, and so, you know, and I, I would be confused if he reached out to me directly. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't react poorly because it's somebody very important to my partner. Right. But we also, we just don't have that relationship. We're not buddy-buddy. Right. I completely understand. And I do think that what you're bringing up is very important. And I would say that, to me, it would be a red flag if I dated someone new and they said, oh, you can't talk to my spouse. Yeah. I'd be like, why? (laughs) Are you hiding me from them? Are you not really openly polyamorous? Are you cheating? Because that would be my first thought. So, And there are people out there that do don't ask, don't tell. That's true. I think you and I are both in the same boat where we don't date people who do do don't ask don't tells yeah and that's not, because not ideal. i don't want to have somebody show up at my door yeah asking why i'm with you know their partner yeah yeah i think we both are of the opinion that open honest ability to communicate is ideal yes yeah so the next point is that you have the right to be treated with courtesy i think that's pretty straightforward and it'd be hard to argue with it yeah i mean i feel like any dynamic any relationship family friendship romantic sexual should involve courtesy (laughs) what does that what does courtesy mean to you kevin i'd be treated politely and you know we live in the south you know somewhere that's technically the south but not (laughs) in a super southern way i want to uh, be treated like i would want to treat people and that tends to be with kindness and thoughtfulness and we don't always have the ability to be as thoughtful as we would like to be but i want to make sure that it's important to me people make that effort yeah yeah. To at least try. Yeah. That's a good to show me with their actions and their words that uh, they respect me. Do you yeah. have a, any sort of different definition that you might use? No. Res- I'm glad you brought up the word respect because that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So the next one. All right. You have the right to seek compromise. That's an interesting one because so many of us come into polyamory with 
I think we've talked about this, like kind of a long list of rules and like hard limits and expectations. And in my experience, those tend to like soften up a little bit over the years once you become more confident and more understanding of your needs and desires. Would you say that's probably true? Yeah. But to seek compromise could mean a lot of things. I think negotiation is very important in relationships and I enjoy it, kind of a kink. I think that compromise can be really healthy, but it can also be tricky. So I don't know. What what are your experiences with maybe seeking compromise in a relationship, Kevin? So I kind of wanted to zoom out a little bit on yeah. a bigger scale, if you don't mind. No, go so, for you it. know, we're talking about your rights in a poly network. And the one thing I like about this uh, aspect of the Relationship Bill of Rights is it kind of recognizes the reality of our world and that nobody has the exact same set of values, wants, or needs. And seeking compromise can be a way for people who have differences in some of those areas to be able to still have happy, healthy, functioning relationships. Um, I think in our culture generally, we're moving towards an area of an idea of like having a pure or ultimate sense of like you have to agree with everybody that you're close to on everything. Hmm. And that can be unhealthy at times. Uh, it can create an echo chamber where mm -hmm. things like racism, sexism, negative aspects of society can breed. And having people that challenge those viewpoints and seeking compromise can be a way of learning and understanding and uh, bringing people together that might not otherwise be able to be together if you're trying to only associate with people that think and believe everything exactly as you do. I think it's interesting that you bring up echo chambers and this could be a whole separate discussion Yeah, because I think I have a lot of thoughts on this actually, but I'm not going to go into all of them. But I think that the polyamorous community, A, tends to lean very white yep. and very leftist. And those two categories of people, which I think we both fall into, <laughs> have been accused of, of being echo chambers and seeking to create echo chambers often. And I think that compromise can have a dark side because if you if I'm compromising with a racist relative then maybe I'm exposing you know my partners who are people of color to racism or something like that so I think that you know compromise needs to be done mindfully yeah and certainly with your own limits and values in mind but I do think that it is important and I agree with you that it is valuable to seek and listen to other perspectives and experiences as long as they don't harm anyone. Is that fair? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you and I will have a larger discussion on this because I think we could definitely have a lot of yeah uh, talk about like the nitty gritty of how society moves forward from um, some of the issues that we see in, you know, modern culture right now. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that that's kind of outside of the scope of like how to have healthy relationships sure. uh, that we can fit into a 15 minute segment on a yeah. podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, uh, so the next aspect of what you have a right to in the poly network is to have a relationship with people and not with relationships. What does that and mean? You and I have discussed this before when it comes to, you know, people that are just starting to be polyamorous that are dating as a couple. Mm -hmm. The general advice that I think you and I both have is, you want to date the individuals that are in a relationship. You are you don't want to date the relationship itself because the relationship itself isn't 
a a person. It is a construct. Right. And both are malleable. I mean, both can yep. change. You know, related people change. People will change. People always change. Change is the only constant, which is super difficult for me. But, you know, I think that's it's just a fact. And r- relationships also evolve because people evolve and needs, wants, change. So, yeah, I agree. And And dating couples was one of the first things that I thought of when I saw this bullet point. Because sometimes people will try to fulfill their idea of what a relationship should look like and they'll look for a person to fill that little hole in their mind or whatever and I feel like that's not the best way to go about things making connections with people themselves as they actually are in reality is healthier in my opinion yep it goes back to that previous part of the last episode we talked about being able to have alone time with each of your partners yes you know if you're only ever dating the two people together your relationship is going to be different and in my mind uh, less fulfilling because you're not going to be able to be with them individually and that can really hamper your ability to connect and their ability to connect with you. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next one is you have the right to have plans made with your partner be respected. For instance, not changed at the last minute for trivial reasons. That's a great one. I have seen and have, I guess, to a small degree experienced relationships in which especially maybe metamors have tried to change or control my plans with my partners for their own reasons. And I am a, I'm an INTJ. I need a schedule. I need to know exactly what is happening. (laughs) I need to know when you will arrive, (laughs) how long we have together and what the parameters are of that time spent together. So I completely agree with this one. I think that respect is important in any relationship. And my plans are a gift of time and energy to my partners and to myself. And so I absolutely need those to be respected. And, you know, not changed at the last minute for trivial reasons is a good addition to that. Because, of course, an emergency change is understandable. The first date I ever had with my spouse, like 11 years ago had to be postponed by several weeks because his son was born and that was a big deal at the time. So it was obviously a huge change. (laughs) He was like, well, got to reschedule. And I, and I was the new girl at the time. So it was like, you know, fine. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so obviously emergencies and huge, huge things like that are completely reasonable for change, but trivial things like, Oh, you know, my spouse has decided that she's feeling insecure tonight. So I need to spend more time with her. I'm going to question how stable our dynamic is if that's occurring on a regular basis, you know? Yeah, one-time thing Yeah, probably wouldn't be a big deal for me. I have uh, three hopefully short examples (laughs) I wanted to provide. Yeah. Uh, I ended a relationship with somebody because uh, consistently they were late Mm. or I had set aside a bunch of time. Yeah. And a quarter of the way through what I thought was going to be our allotted time, they had made other plans and left early. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was somebody that I really, really cared about and yeah. who I still care deeply for, but Aww. just our expectations of what we wanted was very different. Yeah. Um, the second instance was I was having a date night with uh, my live-in partner at the time. I got a call from our other girlfriend, both her and I dated uh, this person individually. And uh, it was her crying because she had fell, fallen down the steps and uh, 
really badly injured her shoulder. Oh, no. And didn't want to call for an ambulance because it wasn't that serious. But she could definitely not drive herself and needed a ride to the ER. So me and my partner packed up the whole time. She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're like, you just, you suffered a major injury. We're your partners. We're here to help you. Stop apologizing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And the third example was I had a date set up with one of my partners. I came home and water was coming out the side of my house. So I called her. I was like, I have to cancel. Yeah. There's water exiting my house. Yeah. And, you know, this is the same one who hurt her shoulder. And she was just very sweet and was like, hey, do you need anything? Do you want me to come over and help with anything? I was like, I will get back to you on that. Right now I need to like, I'm in emergency mode. Yes. And like, you know, we... This, I called her after I shut off the water to the house. Yeah. But man, oh, th- those are my uh, three short examples where there are times where plans have to change and it's okay to roll with the punches. But if it's a consistent problem, if the person isn't respecting your time and not not being honest with you about uh, what they're willing to commit to when you're making plans, that that's a big deal for me, just like it is for you. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you and I are probably both like structure people. Yes. And I have a calendar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. (laughs) Live and die by that calendar. Both of my current partners are more chaotic and go with the flow type of people. And that's great. But (laughs) I need certain parameters to be respected. And they understand that. So, you know, I think they would like they don't even use Google Calendar the way I do. And, you know, it's very different because they're just like, oh, you know, we'll get there when we get there and, you know, it'll be fine. We'll do whatever. And I'm like, no, I need to know. I need an itinerary. <laughs> so there, there's a compromise right there uh, to talk about. Yeah. 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 So the last one is to be treated as a peer of every other person and not as a subordinate. And I think this is kind of a pretty heavily covered in the other sections as well individually um and you and i talked about having equal buy-in to rules to have respect of your time and efforts and wanting to know what you're getting into and i think all that is a piece of that is there anything that you feel like that helps cover that is missed elsewhere you know i do think that we should touch on the fact that some polyamory some polyamorous relationships are structured in a way that discusses hierarchy and some doesn't there's relationship anarchy which is a type of ethical non-monogamy and that style is definitely more egalitarian i would say more like each individual relationship is respected as unique individual and equal to all others in the sense that no one has more power than anyone else and I think that many, many types of ethical non-monogamy, including many types of polyamory, follow that. So, But there are some people who say, you know, this is my spouse, and that means that they have this kind of say in relationships in these ways. And I have been in situations where that's been healthy and where that's not been healthy. So yeah. I would say that that's one of those things you need to know pretty upfront. You know, if your spouse has such and such veto power and I don't because I'm your girlfriend, then I need to know that, you know? So I've been treated as a subordinate by metamors because I was the girlfriend and not the wife and it was not healthy. And I think it's very important to know that you as an individual deserve respect and to be treated as an equal, as a peer, even if there is a hierarchy of some sort, you know, because it's about informed consent to me. 
because, you know, up front, I need to know how much say I have, how much investment there is, how much, you know, yeah, all of that. So, yeah. All great points. And, you know, you and I will probably have a discussion at some point in the future if it hasn't already been released as an episode. We don't tend to release these uh, sequentially to when we record them. That, you know, there's definitely a long discussion to be had about entanglement versus hierarchy. And Mm. because I think there's a lot of nuance there often gets lost in discussions around polyamory. Yes. Uh, But definitely, I think you definitely have the right to be treated as a peer of everybody, um, especially because of the way I do things. That doesn't mean that the person that isn't co-opted, that didn't help raise the children, suddenly gets full rights to your children out of nowhere within the first month of dating. That doesn't mean that you have the right to say, you guys need to stop paying your mortgage to help me. Uh, That does mean that, like you said, you have informed consent of what you have control over and what is and isn't allowed in your life. And you can always end a relationship. You can always walk away um, in ideal circumstances where there is not abuse or issues or income or instability in other ways. Like, so in most circumstances, you have every right to walk away from every relationship. Yeah. No matter the, the nature of it. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. I think we really got a lot covered in these three uh, segments. Hope everybody is surviving out there and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks. You can find us on Twitter, through email, or on Reddit. To submit your questions or to recommend topics, please reach out to our contact info in the show notes. This episode was edited by Jackson Menton. Music by Antilude. And logo design by Carmen Balding. Please share the Lesson 83 podcast. Uh, with your friends. It would really help us out. Thank you.